Hey everyone, welcome to Pastors Podcast Season 3. I'm Banning Liebscher. We have the honor this season of partnering with World Vision. World Vision is a Christian humanitarian organization, and we get to partner with them to serve children and families around the world that are dealing with poverty and injustice. Over half of the world's children experience some form of violence every year, including sexual assault, gang violence, domestic abuse, early marriage, and trafficking. With more families facing poverty due to the pandemic's economic effects, kids are more vulnerable than ever before to abuse, enslaved labor, and sex trafficking. By the end of 2022, child labor alone could exploit nearly 9 million more children than years prior, as well as enforcing longer work hours and worsening conditions for those who have already been forced into the darkest side of this world. Millions of parents are faced with the impossible choice of selling a child for food or seeing their families starve, trapped by violence, war, and suffering. Millions of children most of them girls, are enslaved in the global sex trade. World Vision will stop at nothing to protect children by looking out for their well-being, ensuring that communities are actively working to identify and support children in need, advocating for their rights, and providing immediate aid, such as emergency shelter and essential care. World Vision's approach to ending violence against children protects them today and empowers them for tomorrow. They do this by equipping them, their communities, and local partners with the tools to address the root causes of violence against children. At Jesus Culture, we are grateful for the work that World Vision is doing around the world to address the issue of child vulnerability. God's heart is for the vulnerable and oppressed. We realize that not everyone can be on the front lines in dealing with these situations, but it's imperative as a church that we engage by partnering with those who are on the front line. Whether you want to give on your own, with your family, community group, or as a church, your one-time donation to the World Vision Fund will create lasting change alongside kids and communities around the world, including preventing abuse, restoring physical and spiritual health to rescued girls by providing interventions like safe shelter, medical care, nutritious food, vocational training, compassionate counseling, and when possible, reintegration with a loving family. In fact, thanks to public grants, your gift will multiply five times in impact to provide specialized, preventative, and restorative programs, giving them hope for a better tomorrow. At Jesus Culture, we want to say thank you for partnering with World Vision as they are on the front line of taking care of the children around the world that are on God's heart. Give now by visiting worldvision.org jcpn and donate today.
Welcome to Pastors Podcast Season 3. Great to have you with us. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a church leader, whether you're just somebody in the trenches, got skin in the game, building the local church, we're so glad that you're with us. Our goal, hopefully, as we talk each episode, not just of Season 3, but Season 2, Season 1, that you would uh, leave here encouraged, inspired, equipped, challenged, provoked, (laughs) connected, (laughs) all that type of stuff. Uh, We know what it is. Yeah, offended. We know what it is to be really in the trenches of local church. Just so believe deeply in the role of the local church in the life of a believer, mm-hmm. in the life of a city. So it is good to be with you. I'm Banning Leapshur, the pastor of Jesus Culture, joined by what's been so fun is just friends. Uh, pastor, friends in the ministry together, uh, pastor in great churches. Uh, Lyle Phillips from Legacy in Nashville, a dynamic, thriving, growing, vibrant, very raw, kind. relevant, radical community, wow. uh, full of the presence of God and worship. There it is right there in Nashville, Tennessee, Thank East you. Nashville, to be particular. Thank you. Lyle man. Phillips, originally from Kentucky. I cannot listen. You, you're going to have to go back and listen to the other episode I, he was on. I actually did hear. Uh, what you guys were saying. And mm-hmm. I was behind a curtain. Oh, with the bees? So I was in the back, YouTubing, trying to find your family, <laughs> fighting with bees. If you yep. don't know what we're talking about, you have to go listen to the other episode that he was yes. on. Uh, which with Sam Chan. With Sam Chan, the yes. guest. We started it out by him talking about uh, men who are soft as melted uh, butter, ice cream? Uh, butter works, but uh, it's melted ice cream. Soft yeah. as melted ice cream. Uh, uh, bee fighting? Yes. And running the pews. Yes. So I can't get into all of it, but just trust me, even if you don't listen to the rest of that, just running the pews, Mm -hmm. beef fighting was the most profound conversation I've had in a long time. Thank you, bro. It was was amazing. Doug Lassett, who uh, him and his wife have been planted uh, nine years ago, uh, 10 years ago, pastoring a phenomenal church in Denver, Colorado. And uh, been friends for a long time, long time. and just uh, grateful for you guys jumping on. Listen, guys. Best name of a church. Yeah, the Pearl. The Pearl. I agree. Amazing. I agree. Uh, um, uh, this episode is uh, is is a big one, and uh, it, it doesn't it's, it it's, it doesn't have, it's not going to be super controversial and hard hitting and like it's not it's not a big one from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's a big one because it is one of the things that I think weighs on us the most. Uh, it's one of the most layered and complex things we deal with. Uh, this issue of sexuality, I, you know, I'll, I'll mention this as we get into this interview, but it, it's not complex biblically. It's complex pastorally. It's mm-hmm. complex socially and culturally. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and so how do we kind of navigate this? But guys, listen, mm-hmm. you guys are both pastor and if you think we're going to avoid it's not going to happen. having to mm-hmm. figure out mm-hmm. what we're doing in regards to walking with our people mm-hmm. and engaging culture in the issue of mm-hmm. sexuality. And the sooner mm-hmm. we figure that out, the better. Yes. Yes. We can't avoid it. Yeah. And this isn't stuff I would say that, listen, I didn't go to seminary. So forgive me for this. I'm not sure what they're teaching in seminary, but, but this isn't necessarily something that we're, we've been trained on either mm-hmm. in regards to uh, not just, we may have been trained theologically on a biblical sexual ethic. Yes. God's divine order for sexuality. We may know that. What we haven't been at this level is, well, how do we walk this out? And how do we engage culture on this thing? And all this type of stuff. And so much of what we see, we're turned off by, to be honest with you. I am. Mm-hmm. I'm like, some of the voices that are like, you know, talking about this, I'm like, dude, I like, 
it just feels political totally. more than it feels mm-hmm. anything else. And so mm-hmm. I think today it's an important conversation. You. you know, uh, Michael Brodeur and Elizabeth Woning uh, are, are people that I just trust immensely on this. And uh, they actually were doing this podcast because they came to our church, did a Sunday morning. I said, I think you need to have a conversation with our pastors as well. So mm. are you guys ready to jump in Let's and have it. a conversation? Yes, Go. I think I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it is an honor uh, to have on this episode two people that I have a ton of respect for and just a ton of love for, Elizabeth and Michael. Great to have both of you. Thank you for taking the time to jump on and be a part of this podcast. Uh, We're talking to pastors, church leaders, and I'm going to have you guys introduce yourself, but we're definitely about to jump into, you know, a pretty a pretty sensitive topic uh, in the world today in the church and one that a lot of people are trying to figure out how to navigate and it's pretty yeah, layered and big complex. Time. So uh, can we just take a second, Michael, would you just introduce yourself and give some context for uh, uh, who you are, your leadership and why you're on this podcast? <laughs> sure. Well, I was raised uh, actually in San Francisco, which, you know, initially was the epicenter yes. of some of the things we're going to be talking about. But I was raised by hippie parents and I was introduced to sex, drugs, rock and roll, and Eastern philosophy from a pretty early age, around 11, 12 years old. And so I was raised actually in the Castro dis- district, which became you know, very well known around the world. Um, actually, some of the first uh, uh, gay people in that area were our best friends. And so I was raised in that world with that philosophy. Mm-hmm. I was involved in political activism where I was, you know, I even, you know, held, uh, uh, I don't know, stuff for, you know, preaching in favor of abortion and some of these other things. Anyway, I was in that world and I started traveling at a young age and, and in that process, I met Jesus. Mm. And uh, I started to uh, follow the Lord about 19 years old. I joined a ministry that was planning a church in San Francisco and came back to the city in 1977 as a minister. And so I've been, wow. I was there for 33 years as a pastor. I ended up, uh, you know, initially being with this first ministry called Gospel Outreach. Mm-hmm. Then in 84, I met John Wimber, worked with him for 15 years. And then uh, we were a non-affiliated church for about the last 10 years before I left the city about 12 years ago to be here in Redding, California. So that was my history. But, you know, being in San Francisco, we were right in the middle of all of this that was going on. We were a mile from uh, mm-hmm. Castro and Market. We were right in the... Uh, S&M section of San Francisco, if you know what that means. And so we had, you know, we I never had a, a pastor on staff who hadn't come out of the gay life. There was, you know, just amazing stories of deliverance and breakthrough in people's lives. But I also, you know, spent hundreds of hours ministering in the gay community and being involved in many of the, the issues that we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, I... I, I bring some of that hi- history with me yeah. as we begin this discussion. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Elizabeth. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm a pastor on staff at Bethel Church up here in Redding, California. Um, and my entire focus is on the LGBT issue here. Mm. Um, I, along with Ken Williams, co-founded a ministry called Equipped to Love. Uh, mm. And the focus there, so both Ken and I have LGBT in our past. And so the focus for Equipped to Love is just coming alongside women women who are pursuing Jesus out of the LGBT culture um, and then walking with pastors, walking with parents to help them negotiate the tough topic 
And then, you know, we no sooner had gotten started with that ministry than California tried to introduce some legislation that would have really paralyzed us and how we were ministering. And so uh, our initiative to confront some legislation here in California sparked the emergence of a network that we call Changed Movement. And Changed is an international network of men and women who have left LGBT. Mm. And so really now, most of what I do um, here at Bethel is focused on Changed, where we do advocacy work for people who are wanting to leave that culture to follow Christ, um, and then speak to pastors and leaders to just try to make sure that there are safe spaces for people to be able to Mm. do that. Amazing. This Incredible. is uh, Lyle, Doug. This is obviously you guys are pastoring. You're pastor in Denver. You're pastor in Nashville. I'm mm-hmm. in California. These are all spots that are liberal, you know, especially in, in, in these arena. I wouldn't quite know how it is in Nashville being a little bit more of the well, Bible where we belt. are. It, we are in the Bible Belt. But in East Nashville, we are in the most you said liberal. Yeah. I'll say progressive. Yeah. Progressive liberal yeah. neighborhood in the entire state of Tennessee. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So so we're in these things. And I, and I think that. You know, I've mentioned to our own church, and, and Elizabeth and Michael have both come in and talked to our church because it's it's a complex issue. <laughs> I, it I, is. I, I've said this Very. a little bit. It's not complex for me. Well, I, I think in general, it's not complex theologically, biblically. I, I, I feel like it's pretty clear, but it's so complex because pastorally. Mm-hmm. I mean, we literally, Michael and Elizabeth came, and there are people in our church who have kids. Who now identify? Uh, who are, are trans? Uh, there are there are people in our church who's a brother or niece or are are, are gay, and, and and there are people in our church who are struggling with same sex, and there's all this stuff, and so you're like, there's real pastoral things happening every day, mm-hmm. not just like you know, this is real that we're walking with, and sexuality is one of the most obviously vulnerable, raw, real, intimate parts of who we are, and so so it's complex in walking this out pastorally. Not again for me. Biblically, it's not complex, but how do we walk this out pastorally? And then on top of that, you've got society and all that right. it's figuring out and wrestling with. <laughs> you've got what feels like constantly yes. getting stuff, you know, shoved down our throat to laws that are changing yeah. to media to sell it, all this type of stuff. Mm. So you've got all these layers involved with it. And I think it's one of the things that I think a lot of pastors are just paralyzed with. Very They're much. not quite sure what to do. And I wouldn't say it's all fear of man, like they don't want to get canceled, but they legitimately are like, I don't, I don't, I don't quite know what to do about this. And so mm-hmm. I think that, that even sitting down with Elizabeth and Michael, and I, I'm, ass, I'm assuming you guys have run into some of the same stuff of like, we just had a really complex. traumatic incident in our church a few months ago. So there was um, a mother who had brought her daughter to church who was a part of the LGBT community and she was trans and when I met her, uh, she identified as a, a boy or man, and I thought that she was. And so when we began to talk and get to know each other, I let mm. her know, hey, you are welcome yeah. to come to our church. Well, a few months ago, her mother came and said, hey, sorry to share the news. She committed suicide this weekend. Oh, man. And oh. so this is something, you know, that we've yes. been walking out real time. It's hard. And it is really really hard because I had no idea what to do whenever she introduced me to her daughter. I had no idea how to pastor that moment or that girl. 
so yeah, it is something that I foresee being extremely helpful for me yeah, yeah. and so many other pastors mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that <clears throat> the word helpful is really good because as difficult as this has been for pastors in the last couple of years to deal with, it's forcing us. I think this is the good part. It's forcing us to have to deal with it. Yeah. It's, it's giving us an opportunity to acquire language, identify theology, yes. heart, motive and and really really allow us to grow yeah because it would be easy to just say we don't need to grow in this area we're so. good i know what i believe you know no, no, no. no one wants to mess with it which you could do for a while you could do that for a while but you can't do that today yeah no that's right things have changed yeah yeah we just had a close friend of ours we have a a publication to women and we asked a, a friend of ours she's on our media team to write a story in the publication uh give us her testimony we had no idea that when we got the first draft back for her story, that it would include the fact that she was um, a lesbian for a season of time and it blew us away. And so then all of a sudden we're forced to go, Oh, how do we, how do we handle this? How do we talk to her? We didn't know. How come we didn't know? Yeah. Totally. Anyway, I I think it's good at the end of the day, but it's been been tough for churches. And I think we need to have the conversations and I'll say this one thing. And then I want to go to Michael and Elizabeth. I, uh, the other thing is, is I feel like I want we we need to talk about it, but there's also the fear of being lumped into. Here's what happens to me: I theologically agree with that person, but I think they're a jerk. Mm. <laughs> you, you know, said you're you're in that mode. You're like, okay, you don't represent me at all yeah. with your tone, yeah. with your whatever else. Even mm-hmm. though we theologically agree, yeah. so you mm-hmm. also don't want to just kind of get lumped into some of yeah. what's going on. So yeah. how do we have these conversations? So good. How do we have it? What do we do with the things like that? Yeah. Michael and Elizabeth, we're so grateful for you guys and just jumping on. Maybe if I could just start with this question. Um, the, the, the concept of the biblical foundation around this, <laughs> uh, I think so many believers are just uncertain or they're very thrown off. I'm very confused actually by why so many believers are kind of confused biblically around it. You know, like, like one, one little YouTube video about, well, they were talking about TikTok. one, Not little, even a YouTube. one little TikTok video about, well, Paul was talking about male prostitutes, you know, Paul's talking about, you know, uh, um, or the old Testament is talking about male prostitutes. And then they're just so confused. Like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know what the Bible says. Can you just maybe talk about how we got to this place as a church where we seem to mm. not actually have an understanding mm. That's good. of biblical Christian divine sexuality? Yeah, well, let me let me begin. And then obviously, you know, Elizabeth carries a level of understanding here that I don't have. But <laughs> she's smarter than all of us. That's OK <laughs> to say that she's just no. flat out smarter than all of us. She's and we just, just need to recognize that. And we're still confident. That's OK. But but, you know, just as somebody who's dealt with this from the inside out, who's 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 been in the midst of pastoring people who coming out of the LGBT mm. world for so many years, um, some of the sort of surface level arguments weren't helpful for right. me. Wow. Some of the greatest breakthroughs I had was, first of all, being able to touch hearts on a clear level and make sure that I had built enough trust to be able to deliver truth. Yeah. The next thing was really avoiding some of the, the, the controversial back and forth of Leviticus or let's say, uh, you know, first Corinthians chapter six, nine or whatever, and going really back to creation. Because if we have a biblical worldview, 
that ultimately creation is the foundation of that worldview. And, and again, whether you take the creation story as absolutely literal or have some other amended uh, understanding of it, the bottom line is that in creation, God made man and woman. Okay, mm -hmm. And in that process, we see that all of humanity has been birthed out of the union of man and woman. So good. And so that becomes the absolute foundation for God's norm. And everything else is outside of that norm. And that's the point where I usually begin. Now, again, biblical worldview is key to this whole process. Mm -hmm. Because right now, you know, Barna did a study not too long ago that showed that actually... Um, 37% of pastors, pastors have a biblical worldview right now. Yeah, not Christians, and, and I think pastors. It went down to like, pastors. we're talking about Gen Z, it got so, down to, yeah. of professing Christians, about 2% had a complete biblical worldview, mm. where they actually checked all the boxes of a biblical worldview. Wow. Now, this is scandalous, you guys. And yeah, it really absolutely. Goes back to yeah. what are we preaching and how are we delivering the word of God against the backdrop of a totally postmodern education system. Right. Mm -hmm totally post-Christian education system. So, mm -hmm. so biblical worldview is key in this whole process. And I think the bigger, the, the, the meta picture of God's dealing with humanity is really where I start. Hmm. So good. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I think that part of, part of what we're watching right now is the effect of the conversion of the mainline denominations. Right, that's so, true. You know, so I, I went to seminary, I graduated in seminary in 2003, and I went to a Presbyterian seminary, PCUSA, openly gay. Hmm. And, and our initiative when I was in seminary was to, you know, our heart wasn't to break down the church or to break down family or to somehow, you know, disintegrate mm -hmm. the church, which is what has happened really. Our heart was to find a way for um, LGBT identifying people to come into the church. Mm. And from our standpoint, since we believed that we had been born gay, um, the church, the church's posture on people like us was was incorrect. It couldn't have been true. And right. and so we needed to shift the the opinions or the the doctrines of the church in order to disciple other people <clears throat> like me. Right. Um, and, and so as, in my opinion, as the mainstream denominational churches have kind of let go of um, biblical doctrine, sound biblical doctrine, mm -hmm. and largely because of the academic world, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the pressure to absorb, not just the LGBT community, but the pressure to absorb, absorb a progressive sexual ethic. Mm. Um, let's go back to, let's accept divorce, or right. let's accept, um, blended families or other things like that, which I don't want to, sure. I don't want to open that can of worms, sure. but it goes way back to, yeah. to that period, you mm -hmm. know? And so we're, we're looking at the fruit of um, hmm. that disintegration. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, what's interesting is, so we now, you know, we lost the Lutheran church, the Presbyterian church, <laughs> the Episcopalian church, right. maybe on orthodoxy on biblical sexual ethics. And then I'm watching it kind of emerge into the evangelical church and do its work right. you know, as we as we try to create an environment which will accept kind of um, fringe sexual ethics um, within the church, not just LGBT, just overarching sexual yeah. ethics. Right. Um, that is the charismatic church then is starting to be influenced. Yes. And, and so, I mean, part of the breakdown is 
in trying to stay true to the doctrine of mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then also, right. um, I've noticed that we've stopped looking at the teachings of Jesus to understand our identity and our sexuality. That's right. And so when we're grappling with um, the LGBT issue, we're prone to look at Leviticus or Genesis, you know, maybe we're going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah or, you know, we're going to look at the writings of Paul. We don't actually land on the teachings of Jesus and we can't even handle the teachings of Jesus in sexual ethics. We don't (laughs) even promote or or elevate the teachings of Jesus as being paramount to all the others. Mm. And so there's a crisis in the church, in my opinion, that doesn't just have to do with LGBT. It has to do with our belief in Christ as our sovereign Lord. Yeah. So there's so so listening to you guys, uh, if if I'm approaching this as a pastor, what I'm doing is I'm looking at both both of these things. I'm looking at the the doctrinal issue, which goes way, way back. You know, I'm looking at the doctrinal issue and I'm saying, okay, I need to approach it doctrinally. And then I have a worldview. I have a Christian worldview issue. Right. And as time goes by things begin to kind of dilapidate and fall apart. But would you say that, that I'm listening to the two of you tag team here, that those are the two bottom line places where we need to start with this issue? Because that's, that's what I'm getting hit with, the worldview issue and the doctrinal issue and the teachings of Jesus on a, mm, a biblical yeah. sexual ethic. Good. So these are the two, the two parts to this, correct? Yeah, and that's the issue. When Jesus cites creation, right? as his primary basis for exactly, yeah. God's perspective on sexuality. Mm. Again, we have to bow to that. You know, it's, yeah, I, know I mean, it, I mean it's, yeah. We, we don't have a we choice. That, we think that we can marginalize the fact that Jesus clearly believed in the identity of man and woman and our sexual union had mm-hmm. a specific and transcendent meaning to Jesus. Yeah. And and right. we just don't even handle that really as we're talking about mm. sexual ethics. Right. We don't right talk now, about it at all. Argument. No. <laughs> For the most but part. The I'm sorry right to cut you off, Michael. Well, Jesus never addressed homosexuality. Therefore, right. yeah. he must be in favor of it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be careful because that's one of the memes that's going out or, uh, on the uh, mm-hmm. the internet world. And, and it's like it really is yep. undermining one of the TikToks. Biblical philosophy, you know, biblical yeah. perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. As someone who has come out of the LGBT world, you know, staring into the teachings of Christ um, and saying, okay, am I allowed to enter into the promises of the gospel, the redemption and restoration or not? Yeah. And a lot of LGBT identifying people can't even see themselves approaching that space, mm. which is why we're having the conversation over, well, maybe be it. Maybe homosexuality in the Bible, we haven't understood that. Maybe it's mis, you know, misinterpreted or mistranslated. It's because there's no overarching message to the LGBT community that we are all actually being redeemed by Christ. You're no different than the next person. We all enter into that completely vulnerably before Christ, and then there, he brings something to us. That's good. Mm. Elizabeth, wow. can, so good. Can I ask this question because it, this is for pastors? Yes. It, it it is. Maybe it shouldn't be. I don't know. But it's a it's a it's a hard thing to walk out and 
talk out. Yeah, and, it totally is. Yeah, and, and it's you know it involves people, and mm-hmm. you know it's not just some kind of like idea out here. Like you know, I'm looking at the the kid right here. You exactly. know, exactly. Um, but but maybe uh, so so maybe I could ask this, uh, uh, Elizabeth. How do we how do we approach people? Let, let's just say in our congregation now, or or, or with care, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we 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 want to st- we, we'll stay in. Maybe there are pastors right now. I, yes. To be honest with you, I can't imagine there's a ton of pastors listening that are connected to us that probably don't subscribe you know subscribe right. to our biblical worldview or would, that we would agree on the biblical worldview and agree on yeah. theology uh, maybe they would just say hey it's not that big of a deal or whatever else but 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 how do we walk with people mm-hmm. in this process as well how do we stay um man i i'm i'm having a hard time figuring out exactly how to word this sure but like we care about people mm-hmm. uh, uh um we understand that people are on a journey mm-hmm. sure <laughs> we understand that people are in the process of you know mm-hmm. but but we want to walk with you and and even right now i mean i think here's the reality guys mm-hmm. uh, your world probably more than anybody else's world lyle mm. they're like well that just feels mean yeah, because so, we don't know the difference between acceptance and agreement. Yeah, so there's somewhat yeah. like, listen, you got to submit to the lordship of Christ. He's mm-hmm. not just your savior; he's your lord, and you have to submit to the lordship. But so much mm-hmm. of like really challenging people around this just yeah. feels mean to so many of these younger of guys. Of course, how do you walk this out in kindness Great and love question. and <laughs> discipleship and in a world that is telling them if we disagree. <laughs> We hate you. Of course. Great we're actually question. not just hate you. What's being communicated is we're harmful to you if we'd walk with you. What's your advice in just kind of walking that out as Big pastors? Question. So good. Well, mm-hmm. I, you know, it occurs to me, Banning, as we're talking that people don't maybe don't know or don't realize the angle that I'm coming from. So I just think I'd better start. Yeah, there, I love is, it. You know, I expressed that I went to seminary openly. Yes. Gay. But then after I graduated from seminary, so I moved from a major metropolitan area where I was doing um, street ministry, basically, in the LGBT community. And then I I moved to a really, really tiny, tiny town in the fringe of the Bible Belt and started uh, engaging in parish ministry just as a youth pastor. And... um, in that setting, so I had never been exposed to the charismatic church. My experience of faith was highly intellectualized, mm. um, not experiential, I would say. And um, <clears throat> so I moved down to this area and a, a fellow pastor invited me to a youth outreach. And um, I went to this meeting and it was, uh, I I love to say when I'm sharing, it was a Presbyterian's worst nightmare. It was very expressive. She's at, um, and she's at Bethel now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, it it was, children were being filled with the spirit. There was weeping. Amazing. You know, contemporary music. All of that was new to me. I'd never experienced anything like that. And in that setting, a 17 year old boy approached me and you know this super brave boy because i you know i was very obviously lesbian and very androgynous mm. and and so he approached me 
And he said, I believe I have a word from the Lord for you. Wow. And what he proceeded to tell me was something I had been praying about for years. Mm -hmm. So through the Lord or Come through on. this young man, the Lord put his finger on a particular point of pain yeah. in my mm. life. Wow. And uh, I remember thinking in that moment, is it possible that God knows me specifically? So here, you know, I've got my master's degree in everything in theology and doing ministry, and I had no grit at all for the possibility that God's eyes were on me directly. And in that moment, I found myself going, maybe I don't know who God is. And from that point, I, I began thinking, what do I do? And it was because, you know, because of that encounter and because it was a specific point of pain for me, mm. um, I, I just dove into the Bible. That was the only place that I trusted for information. Mm. So I reread scripture and my focus was on who is God. I, yeah. You know, I'd already settled. Yeah. I, I wasn't a sinner. You had to reread the whole book almost just to just to I, get that hermeneutic, phenomenal. that old hermeneutic right. out of. Yeah. My whole interest yeah. was who does God say he is? Right. And I, I highlighted, I bought a new Bible and highlighted every passage where God described himself. Wow. And and that journey was it was a journey for God that in the end revealed me. Wow. And it so caused good. me you know, to really grapple with who I was as a woman, what I had come to believe. It's powerful. And I ended up repenting. You know, that wasn't an instantaneous event. Hmm. And I mean, I had literally an existential crisis as I was reading this and coming to terms with yeah. why, why I had a disconnect between uh, my own femininity and biblical womanhood or what did it mean to me to be a lesbian in the construct of what I had thought was gay theology, which, you know, right. I mean, it's one thing for a man to look at scripture and rewrite <clears throat> theology to accommodate their sexuality, but actually that's quite hard for a woman to do. Wow. And, and so, you know, I, at my, whole, my whole theological world fell apart in that. And, um, I ended up repenting and letting go of the identity without, you know, you kind of from the LGBT side, you walk up to the edge of the cliff and you don't have a vision for what whole sexuality looks like. You don't have a vision for now I'm going to be straight or now wow. I'm going to be this super, you know, my in my mind, this uh, stereotypical feminine Bible believing <coughs> woman you know i mean that was i was a feminist i was not in that wow and so coming to terms with those beliefs and those ideas was a challenging experience that i walked through um in the end i i got married to a man mm. and together we walked out um all of the healing that i needed in order to be restored in my sexuality wow and you know there so were a good. lot of things like once I opened up the lid that I had, you know, once I had let go of lesbianism, under that lid was a whole lot of other stuff. Mm. And, you know, I could say <laughs> I, I imagine, probably yeah. still like wow. I may never be done exploring what exactly all of that was. Mm -hmm. um, but the process that the Lord took me through was one of questioning. 
one of why do I why do I have these feelings? What are at the root of these feelings? Uh-huh. Why did I develop these this sense of identity? And um, those those answers came to me through the Lord through encounter. Uh-huh. So then coming to your yeah, you know, your question, incredible. where do we even start? How do we walk that out with people? You you have to start with one, I think building safe relationship. And I know you would agree with that, mm-hmm. like establishing the kind of relationship that allows reciprocity. Wow. So, you know, a, a gay person coming into a Trust church, before a gay, truth. an LGBT identifying person into the church is not gonna give you that reciprocity. And that's what most pastors experience like i want i'm going to make this demand on you and you're going to comply and and that that creates great safety for me as an lgbt identifying person Mm -hmm. but at some point the relationship has to be okay um as as you get to know me as a pastor um you're going to learn a level of of give and take in our relationship and i'm going to give you the safety to start exploring why you believe what you believe and you're going to explore why I believe what I believe, and that reciprocity will start to develop. Um, so good. There has to be a safe so space for dialogue, wow. and that requires trust. Can, can, can I say this real quick? Because as you're talking, and maybe address this, and then I want to ask about people outside the church. Sure. But I think we just have to say this is going to be work. <laughs> And, and quite possibly all discipleship is work, all, all whatever else is. It but is. I, I think that if we somehow, and maybe just address this real quick, if we think this is like, you know, it's a, like, no, no, no. If, right. if, if we're really going to lean into this thing and mm-hmm. say, no, we, and this is the culture that we're in. We as a church need to be ready. <laughs> I, I would say this is, this is going to be the issue for the next decade. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this has to be the issue that we're going to deal with the most in the next decade. Right. So, yeah. and it's, and it's in our face every day. We all know the that. one that we're, the one that we don't know. Yeah. Some issues were like, I got <laughs> yeah, that yeah. in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but this one we don't. And what I'm hearing, there's a couple of things I'm hearing. I, not in order, but I, I loved your story about, about your seminary experience and how that started. And the way I would phrase this is, I think number one, I think pastors, we need to know how we got to where we're at. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's telling us the story about a hermeneutic. And I don't want to throw that word out there, no. but, but it's, it's so it's big one, of you. I'm so sorry. Big of you. It's pastor's I, podcast. So big okay, of you, podcast. So big of you I, Portland Bible no, college. No, no, look, I, I tr- I, I'm, I'm trying to stay out of my own brain right now, <laughs> but like, how did Go we there, get Doug. to where we are to where we're acting the way we're acting and saying the things that we're saying, it's because somewhere back here, yes. mm-hmm. we started to believe the wrong thing, the wrong, yeah, I, yeah. I hope that no, makes sense. Okay, and mm-hmm. then number two, what I, what I really thought was powerful is, is this, and I think we all know this, but in this context, looking at someone and saying, no, God knows you. Yes. You know what? I'm getting emotional. Like, yes. this is so important. God knows you as an individual. Yeah, you're not an issue. You're not an issue. You're not an mm-hmm. issue you're in a, society. Right? Mm-hmm. You're a son or a daughter yes. of God. And, but that, those, that intimate, detailed knowledge of every single one of us is so powerful. And, and listening to your story, talking about how that touched you, that God, through a prophetic word, right? Mm-hmm. And God knew you so intimately. I think 
Those are two things that as pastors that I think we need to, we need to embrace. How did we get here so we can get out of it? Mm-hmm. And then how, what is most important as we're, as we're building relationship and bridges? I think you said it, trust yes. before truth. Yes. Like, like this is a daughter. Yeah. This is a person that God knows mm-hmm. intimately yes. and perfectly. Yeah. Those two things for pastors I think are really important and can help us. How do we, how do we, so you mentioned this, uh, Elizabeth, not in this podcast, but at a session, the concept of identity. So this is part of the difficult process, I think, of walking with people that maybe I feel unequipped with mm-hmm. in regards to society has yes. now said, this is who you are. Right. This is just who you are. <clears throat> you were born this way. This is your identity. So now somebody is in there and saying, well, this is just my identity. And we're going like. No, it's not your identity. <laughs> right. But but how how do you how do you walk with somebody when you're not on that page? Well, here's why I ask that. Because of all the other things, for the most part we don't name them as identity. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. as a youth pastor, you're dealing with that kid who's sleeping with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not in the identity category. Mm-hmm. You're dealing right. with that guy who's getting drunk on the weekend. <coughs> yeah. It's not in the identity category. No. Mm-hmm. So no. I'm like, well, I know how to walk with you a little bit because we're not talking about your identity right now. We're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, hormones. Yeah. Well, hormones or he's probably stopped drinking. And, and you <laughs> know, that's be, why pastors don't talk about it. Yeah, to- totally. Because it's too hard, it's too yeah. hard. to, yes. to, transgress into you're like dude i don't want to even deal with that because like what elizabeth just said scares me right because she said (laughs) she was like come on elizabeth to hear um they need to hear what we believe and there needs to be some reciprocity of we need to be willing to listen to what they believe yes and that sounds loving and simultaneously exhausting and that's why it scares me because i don't even know how I mean, I've done a lot of that, sure. but it, I think it's been mostly fruitless. Yeah. And so I'm learning and I want to know how we as pastors yeah. can engage these conversations and keep that love on even when the process yes. seems to drag out so much longer than the kid who's drinking too much on the yeah. weekends. Yeah. And Elizabeth, maybe address yeah, that and also address this issue of we're dealing with a, a sin that's become an identity. So, Mm -hmm. so, so it's somewhat like, I know how to work with your, you know, you're being mean to your wife, but, but how I think, so I don't even know how to fully ask that question. Elizabeth, Michael, either one, how do we walk with people? And I'm talking in the church. Mm -hmm. We'll talk outside the church in just a moment. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in the church right Mm -hmm. now, people that are like, well, this is my identity. How do we walk with what you're talking about with that. Is it something we just don't even like address and just, you know, does that make sense what I'm trying to ask you? You can tell. Well, <laughs> you know, I think the notion of identity is interesting to, to consider because that's such a, a buzzword. Like what's yeah. your identity? What's your identity? And, and um, the LGBT culture or the LGBT community exists at, it, I, I would say, now I've never studied the history of the emergence of the LGBT community, mm-hmm. but just my own anecdotal experience is it exists because it's become a city of refuge for people who have not felt like they belonged among the other group. Mm. Sure. And, and so, I mean, wow. really, I think most Christians would be surprised at how different gay culture is than heterosexual culture. Like if you live for a season in Castro today, you're getting a completely different worldview. Absolutely. What is considered moral there, we would be, 
I think <laughs> you would yeah. be shocked um, mm -hmm. at what's normal in that culture. Mm -hmm. But okay, so what is Christian identity? I think it's important that we think about this because um, the story, the LGBT story and what it means to be LGBT has become pretty clear. Mm -hmm. And because it's so clear, it's attracting more and more people. So more and more people are identifying with the, the vision of LGBT identity. And what is that identity? Right. Sorry to interrupt you, Elizabeth, but you said it's, it's become pretty clear. It's not to me. What it what is what is clear about it? What is it? What's the what's the identity theme? What's the clarity that you see? Are you asking what well, they're drawn to? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I when I think of the stereotypical, let's let's just start with the stereotypical effeminate gay man. Okay. Who, you know, who has never had an opposite sex relationship? Is maybe Elton John, um, very artistic. Okay. Um, maybe a higher voice, never been, you know, he's, he's repulsed by football. Sure. Okay. Got it. You're helping me. Thank you. But aren't we talking also, like, if we use all the, the, the letters, use the stereotype. you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's really mm -hmm. a, a, a multifaceted identity shift. Yes. If we talk about non-binary, for instance, right. or transgender, we're dealing with things even beyond, let's say, the, the illustration you just made. So can you comment on that? Yeah, that's well, I mean, what I, I was think thinking. It comes really, at, you know, Ken and I, when we talk about the LGBT experience, we often talk about it in terms of relational breakdown. Yeah. I mean, it really is essentially an element of how we relate to other people on the most intimate level. Yeah. And, right. and I think mm -hmm. we could find True. an element of identity within that. Yeah. You know, so the the rawest, most intimate place that a person finds connection, yeah. um, that begins to take shape or form um, because that's your primary attachment. Right. So you're starting to gain um, identity okay. through that. And that's where you get out of that shoots. Love is love. It doesn't you know, it doesn't matter who I love. And here it's equating sex and love, which is a pet peeve of mine. But mm. that is the beginning, I think, of LGBT identity. But I, I, I want to put conversely, though, yeah. um, really good. I imagine for a moment what it would be like if Christians, if we Christians were as vehemently um, protective of and outspoken about our Christian identity in culture. Yeah. What would be the things that would make or break for you truly Christian identity? Mm -hmm. And because, in my opinion, I think because that's become a, a gray area, mm. like a poorly defined gray area, and it's been redefined by the media today into now we're a hate group. Um, right. Like most people, like a young person is going to find it easier to identify with the love is love mantra and the collective, um, the collective invitation of LGBT community. They're going to find that much easier to mm. identify with than Christianity mm. yeah. right at this moment. Absolutely. Let me ask wow. this real quick, because I think wow. so. So good. I'm uh, talking to you as a pastor. Now I'm just going to talk to you as a Christian. <laughs> as a Christian in society, um, I am I am connected to people in the homosexual lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, um, these are people that are not believers. 
uh, uh, maybe they would associate as believers, but but are are not practicing church going. <coughs> you know, they they would believe in God, maybe, but you know. And uh, some some are family members. Some are people that are at the CrossFit gym that I go to mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. and 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 these are people that I, I genuinely care about, and 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 I yeah. I'm not fake around them. I mean, they would know that I care about them. I mean, uh, that that I'm for them. That you know, they're not encountering any type of. But but also, what would your advice be, Michael? You pastor in San Francisco, Elizabeth. What's your advice to just believers who are saying, I'm in the world every day and I'm around people who don't believe the Bible? <laughs> like they're not coming from like, hey, we're all on the Bible page, right, guys? They're not. Not everybody's right. on the Bible page. Right. Um, you know, they don't don't believe what we believe. And yet we, we do stand with what I, I so what would be the how would you encourage people um, just who are walking this out every day that are encountering people who I think feel stuck. I think if we look mm. at a lot of people in our church are like, I don't know what to do. Of course. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And, and they're not necessarily looking yep. places and seeing, they just see the political thing. Of course. Which is that let me, loud let me voice. Pipe up on that if yeah. I can, because <clears throat> again, you know, I had the privilege of pastoring hundreds and hundreds of people in the gay life. They were, you know, trying to find out how to, how to walk it out, you know, mm-hmm. and some failed to walk it out. Others made it through and, you know, are now ministering in that world and doing, doing an incredible job. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things, first of all, is that the, the church has been tarred and feathered with the image of being abusive towards people that are struggling with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And maybe once upon a time that was universal, mm-hmm. it's almost Perhaps. never happening now. Right. In fact, you know, <laughs> we have abuse and we have abdication. Right. I think most of the church, most mm-hmm. pastors are in that. abdication right now. Mm-hmm. They're not engaging the issue. They're not aggressively uh, going in as lovers of Jesus and lovers of people to engage the issue with uh, an assertiveness that is needed. Okay, and so because most of them are shy, they back off. As well, they're Lyle afraid. Was talking they're about just straight afraid. Just like forget it. You know, yeah. I can't deal with this. Okay, or they or they basically compromise the gospel by by just saying, okay, we're a, we're a, an affirming church. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one is that we need to be engaged, and I think that you know, but we also need to engage with a, a level of clarity that hasn't been there in the past. There was ignorance that drove abuse in the past. Now there's sort of a, a fear that's driving abdication now. Hmm. And so as a pastor, if you're listening to this, you need to step beyond that fear. You need so to say, good. you know what, Thank these you. individuals that we're, that we're engaging, they need to be loved into the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. and they can't have you st- sit on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You so need good, to be Michael. able to engage. And so the question mm-hmm. is how? And I think how understanding the identity issue is key to that. I think, you know, the first issue of, of um, understanding, there was a book I read by, by a um, psychologist about conversion, and he actually used examples like, a, let's say, a, a student in China converting to, uh, to Maoism in the 40s, okay, and, and, uh, and uh, a person who's struggling with same-sex attraction converting and actually coming out of the closet as a gay person. Mm. Okay, that's a big deal, and once you've made that step, it has to be identity. Okay, wow. so we're talking about a wow. challenge that's, that's exacerbated by the fact that somebody has had to now declare themselves in a certain world. How do we express the heart of Jesus them? So good. I think one thing we talked about in your story is the supernatural. I think it's key. Yeah. But then the other side 
is we have to be able to engage story. And I think your story, you know, because we're all human. I mean, we may not be people coming out of the LGBT world, but the fact is, is that I've struggled with certain things. Yeah, of course. You know, and I've had to understand my struggle. The final thing I'll share is a quick story about a, a guy that showed up at our church, really good looking guy, very successful, drove a great car, was a dot-commer guy. And um, I invited him out to lunch and we spent some time together. And he says, well, you know, I, I need to come clean with you. I'm in a gay relationship right now and I'm living with my lover. I said, okay, well, tell me your story. And he said, well, you know, I, I was, uh, as a child, dropped off with my grandfather every summer and was violently raped many, many times. Mm. And then I came out of that. I started going to church. I, I even joined like a, a nationally known Christian singing group. And, uh, but I, I couldn't reconcile my same sex attraction to the Christianity. And I eventually went into suicidal um, behavior. Mm. And ultimately, and he said, finally, I just realized, you know, I joined all these ex-gay groups and they didn't help me. Finally, I had to accept the fact that I'm just gay and, I, and I'm gonna live like that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, gosh, you know, I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm so sorry you're having to deal with this, but you know, there's a number of gay churches. There's even a, one that claims to speak in tongues. Why don't you go there? He says, I would never go to a church that doesn't uphold the Bible as the word of God. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what an amazing man I'm dealing with. He said, I'll come to church every Sunday morning, you know, having slept mm -hmm. with my lover the night before and repent, but I cannot violate the word of God. And I think we need to understand that there's a lot of different people with different backgrounds. Yeah, the story. And, and, and we good, can't Michael. just sort of lump it all into one world, you know, perspective and, mm -hmm. and think that we're actually touching the real thing. Mm. This guy so impressed me. And I just said, well, you're welcome in our church. You know, I, 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 you must understand. Man. I can't, I can't have you in leadership. Yeah. But gosh, you're, you're, you're welcome to be here. I think you know, what I think I what so you? stirs me with that story with Michael is, and this is what we're talking about. We we yeah. can't say we're going to move towards this and not be willing. It's not just us. Obviously, they're pastoring people. We have people pastoring people, and in sure. a community, of people pastoring people. We have to. We have pastors in our environment, not just paid pastors. We're not the only yeah. ones walking with people. But my point is this: yes. is that thought of there's something out there that just wants to lump everybody together. <laughs> all of you are this. Mm -hmm. And the work is, is that not all of you are this. Every one of you have a, has a story, <laughs> has a journey, mm -hmm. has a, and, and like it takes, and it's going to require something to move towards that and hear that and yeah. do mm -hmm. that. And That's so right. I think we probably do want one cut and dry, like this is what you do and this is what it looks like. And here's the formula. And, and, mm -hmm. and what Michael's talking about, like, wow, I mean, like, yeah, it, you just want to lump that guy into everything else. Of course. So layered. Elizabeth, is there anything as we kind of, uh, I, I obviously guys, we're not going to be able to fully to have this whole conversation on just one podcast. My heart would be to begin to point people towards this and to just say, Hey, yes, you've got to do some work on this. You've got to have the conversations. You've got to go look at the resources. You have to be asking the you questions of what are we doing in house? How are we equipping our people out of house? How do we do that as pastors? Yeah. Do I yeah. I'm, my, yeah. my brain is yeah. running right now and I'm thinking, okay, do we ask and see if Elizabeth can come to yeah. my church and have a Sunday night event yeah. where yeah. we have she's a real... A, she's expensive, but yes. 
Well, thank God you've agreed yeah. to put the bill. <laughs> um, but you know, do you do we do a conversation like this with yes. her and with Michael, or do do we do we sit on stage and we say, "Hey, we want to explain to you our church's hermeneutic." Yeah. On yeah, these ethics, I, I would just hate to get five, ten years down the road and to think that that the body of Christ didn't wrestle with this, didn't sure. fight through this. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's the one issue that I think most of us would avoid if we could. Do you, mm, you know what I mean? yeah. None of us want to be confronted on a Sunday morning yeah. where somebody walks up and asks us a question and yeah. we just want to, but I think, I think this is the topic of the day. Yeah. And I don't think culture is going to let mm, us yeah. let us escape the conversation. Yeah. So we need to step mm-hmm. up. And it feels unique. And I want to hear Elizabeth as we wrap up, but it feels unique in that this isn't something that can just be taught from from the pulpit. It is a conversation it, it, exactly. that has to happen. Yeah. Like I even feel right now the incompleteness of this is pastors not being able to go like couple questions, couple questions, couple questions. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like so in, in our people, yeah. it's not just like, hey, let me teach you this. That ability for them to be able to ask questions and wrestle through stuff and mm-hmm. process stuff. And like it's that type of environment. It's not yeah. just a like it's not just, in my opinion, it's not just a three-week series. And man, all right, we've nailed that. So good. Elizabeth, do you have any thoughts on so, this? Both, so good. How are both, both all that we've talked about, uh, maybe interacting with people outside of church that don't believe what we believe or aren't coming from the Bible, but people I care about. Like I genuinely, I'm not just saying this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've gotten connected to some people that I love. I'm mm-hmm. like, they, they're just, I just, they have a place in my heart, you Me know? Me too. Me too. And, um, but they absolutely don't believe what I believe. Absolutely not. And they definitely don't believe the Bible. You know, they're not mm-hmm. coming from that perspective. You know, they're mm-hmm. not like, uh, you know, they're not even social Christians who grew up in Sunday school, you know. Sure. Elizabeth, any, any kind of closing wisdom or, or uh, impartation or? <laughs> well, yeah. I think, you know, ready. The, the key for me, you know, if I'm going to, I'll just be using my own experience yeah. for you. The, the key for me was that suddenly I came into contact with the living God. Mm. And Jesus, you know, I didn't, in that night, I didn't repent. It was two years later. I, I was able to grapple with what I had experienced there over a couple of years, secretly, quietly. Um, and all the while, I was introduced to a new approach to who Jesus was. And so I, I honestly was provoked wow. by the lives of the, the other ministers around me in their surrender to Christ, in their experience of Jesus's love. And, you know, that provocation of, wait, is God accessible? And what are the implications of that for me personally? Um, that, that was the bottom line. I mean, Jesus outshone LGBT. And and I think, you know, for us, we've got to take a missional approach and realize that Jesus is the desire of the nations. Amen. It's an opportunity for us to just get securely planted once again in the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ and what he means to us. I mean, when you're honestly talking to someone else, sharing your faith isn't about, hey, the Bible says this. It's, I experienced this redemption from Jesus and it changed my life. I mean, all all of us here have that experience. Mm. And so being able to articulate to someone in your gym, Banning, of, wow, you know, I had this experience of Jesus's love where I was fully accepted 
in a way that I have never experienced in any other in any other. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. I yeah. mean, that LGBT identifying people, we all want to have yeah. that experience of being mm -hmm. completely seen, cherished, sought, pursued. Wow. Mm -hmm. And to be pursued by Jesus is unlike any other yeah. experience of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. <laughs> well, um, where can they get more information, Elizabeth, for what you're doing? How can they reach out to you or, or just find out what you guys offer resources? Uh, well, a, couple, a few websites that you can find us through. Um, changedmovement.com is a great website. It features dozens of stories mm -hmm. like mine of people who have come out of LGBT. There's actually an amazing revival occurring right now. Come on. God is meeting LGBT identifying people <clears throat> everywhere. It. And some of them are hearing come the on. message that restoration is possible, that yeah. God's justice for the LGBT community is the full redemption of their identity and restoration yeah. of their sexuality. Right. Wow. Mm. Our, we're compiling those stories. So and uh, then equippedtolove.com, that's a way you can reach me and kind of connect with some of the resources we have for individuals who are pursuing discipleship or you know, for pastors. I have a pastor's resource on that page. Great. And then I have a personal, or on that website, I have a personal blog um, where some of my musings, some of the things I've talked about here are on that. Um, that's elizabethwanning.com. And I trust that somewhere in the fine print, you can spell out my name for people. <laughs> uh, but, but through any of those places, you can reach me. Yeah. Thank you guys for taking the time to sit down with us. It Amazing. means a lot. We'll have to do it again. Amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. Now what I want to do, I, we actually had both of them come and do a Sunday morning for us. It was, you know, wow. 40 minutes of me up there just kind of interviewing them, similar kind of thing. And yeah. it was so helpful, really. But but after we did that, I'm like, okay, well, we need about a, a four-week, uh, first of all, we need Absolutely. about a four-hour session afterwards, whoever wants to come and sit down and have, you know. Yeah, yeah. But somehow, guys, it is. I, if you, I don't think any, well, no, I think they are trying to avoid it. But I'm saying I think mm. everybody knows you're not going to be able to avoid this. And, mm -hmm. um, but but it is one of the areas I probably encounter people are most unequipped. Totally. Not just theologically, but just practically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like Practically. How do you walk this thing out? Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, it is people mm -hmm. that are in our church. It is people mm -hmm. outside our church that we're like, oh, we care deeply about you. Yes. And, and, you know, you can say all this stuff like we care, we love you enough to not let you, you know, all that. But at the of end course. of the day, it's walking it out is definitely is definitely going to be a journey. So I think talking to it people, is. talking to pastors, processing this together helps a ton. Yeah. And I also think just, you know, being equipped. Yeah. I mean, this is the area. It's, it's almost not exactly the same, but it's almost like the race discussion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble just because we don't know what to say or yeah. how to say uh -huh. it or mm -hmm. what the approach is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that I think that us learning how to engage people with this journey is going to be huge because we can't escape it in the mm -hmm. future. It's in our face every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. we can't just bury our head in the sand yeah. and be like, oh, I'm just yeah. going to. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to yeah. ignore it. You can't do that anymore. So we have to learn how to do this mm -hmm. yeah. and how to, and how to do it well. Yeah, I agree. I think we also need to be courageous in that. I, I, I agree. Yeah. You know, we're being equipped practically, but personally, 
I would like to call upon pastors to be a little bit more courageous. I think a lot of times we have so much fear that we have to Mm -hmm. be so polished with every statement, every tweet, every Instagram story, every post. Everything has to be so polished Mm -hmm. that nobody's willing to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I want to know. Here's some. And I want to learn. And I want to share what I got. And I know I don't have the full picture. But here's what I do have. And I'm going to talk about it. And I felt like I stuck my foot in my mouth at one point in time asking her that question, like, hey, what are you talking about? No, you didn't. Because when she shared, I was like, oh, well, I knew that. But I'm in a constant learning curve here with all of these topics, whether it's uh, sexuality, Mm -hmm. uh, race, Mm -hmm. uh, politics, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to have the vulnerability publicly to say, hey, even though I'm a pastor, I don't know, but I'm going to yeah, learn well, and I'm going to invite you well, on this I'm, journey. I'm not yeah. coming to your church then. <laughs> and that, you know, that vulnerability, though, that's where it has to begin. I think pastors are afraid of being canceled in their own church. Absolutely. I mean, if you say the wrong thing, it's a tweet, it's a Facebook post. Absolutely. Pastors are trying Emails? to avoid yep. all of these. It's, the almost like, it's almost like they're trying to avoid it as long as they can so that maybe it'll all pass before I stick my foot in my mouth. Yeah, of course. And that's the wrong approach. Yeah. We I just agree. can't. We just can't be a human. Be a yeah. human. Yeah. And I don't think you have to. This is the beauty. This is where Instagram has made us. And like, you really do have to be polished on Instagram. I know. But this isn't going to be worked out on Instagram. It's no. not. I'm just telling you, you're not going to pastor your people happen. on Instagram. Mm-mm. You're going to pastor your people in one-on-one conversations, yeah. yes. which has so much more forgiveness in it if that makes sense yes. like it's so much more you can it, it's a it's a it's nuanced and layered and processed mm-hmm. and they can see your tone and your face Benning, this is a word for somebody though it really is stop trying to pastor your social media following yeah you're not accountable to god for them i'm not i'm not saying you don't want to be good yeah. to them and feed them as best you can but yeah. at the end of the day like people are not getting discipled through the dms 99% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. It's through conversations. Well, guys, listen, thank you for uh, jumping on and being part of this episode. Thank Hopefully, you, awesome. we're at least stirring up conversations, encouraging you, hopefully giving you some uh, equipping along the way. But man, we're so grateful that you've joined us for uh, season three, Jesus Culture Podcast Network, Pastors Podcast. Let's go. So uh, we'll do it again. 